You guys doing all right today? It's good to see you. Good to see you. I want to say something quickly. Uh, in our first service, there was, uh, uh, we did something this weekend through our Pulse Youth. It's called Misfits. Big, huge weekend. So uh, we, uh, for all of the parents that hosted kids at their house, I was not able to do that. I was supposed to, but I got very busy, and I was not able to do that. So for you that picked up my slack, I appreciate that. You were very brave and faithful. Thank you for that. But anyway, thanks to our, our youth leader, Payton, for having an incredible weekend, bringing us a guest speaker. And for the last couple of days, they served in the community, had services here for a couple of days. And it's just an incredible thing that somebody, that, that parents and volunteers will take a weekend and pour in and invest into our kids. So thank you for everybody that, that took part in that. That's really, really important. You know, life doesn't always make sense. A lot of times things that happen to us are because of what we do. We make some bad decisions and, and life goes that way and it, it, it kind, of, kind of messes with our life. And a lot of times God may be working something in our lives and he's trying to speak to us or he's trying to direct us and even then life might not make sense. We might be thinking to ourselves, what in the world is God up to? What is he thinking? Well, I want to tell you something. That is what this series is about. It's about how to navigate through life when it doesn't make sense. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. Open up our hearts and our lives to say and to speak into our lives what you would want to by your spirit. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said... Look at your neighbor and say, it ain't over. You see, because I think that's, how, that's what Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thinking as they were being hauled off into the land of the Babylonians. That's where our story was in the first chapter of, of Daniel. That's where we, where we left off last week. Daniel's nation was invaded by the king of Babylon. They were invaded. They were exiled. Many of them were killed. The, the temple of Solomon was completely destroyed. Everything was lost in a moment. Daniel was a young prince in Israel, and so was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were of the elites. They were the up-and-coming leaders, probably in their late teens, early 20s. They were, they were future leaders of the land of Israel. And in that one moment, I believe that they were probably thinking, man, everything is gone. Everything is lost. As they take that 900-mile journey... To, back to the land of the Chaldeans and the land of Babylon with the king of Nebuchadnezzar. And the land of Israel was basically no more. As they were doing that, they were probably thinking all is lost. But I want to tell you something. When life doesn't make sense, one thing we talked about, and I'm going to review, and then I'm going to say a few things in, at the, towards the, uh, the end of this message. When life doesn't make sense, we, dis- we decided that we were going to stick to the simple things. And I don't know if you remember this last week, but the first thing that we decided to do is when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. When, you don't, when you're in a place in life when you don't know what to do, focus on what you know to do. Now see, Daniel, he couldn't control, and that's, that's important to remember that a lot of times we get focused on things that we can't control. So when you can't, when you can't do anything, which you know that, you can't do anything about the things you can't control. Daniel couldn't control the new king. He couldn't control his environment. There are a lot of things that were beyond his control. He couldn't couldn't control what his friends did. He couldn't do all those things. But he could do what he knew how to do. And the Bible says here in Daniel, the first chapter, the the eighth verse says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself. He could control his personal commitment, right? Right? 
See, a lot, of th- a lot of times we make life too complicated. It's actually pretty simple. Look at your neighbor and say, life is not rocket science. It ain't rocket science. It's pretty simple. That's what Daniel did. I mean, if you look at what he did and what made him successful, and we see that God had a plan for him working for King Nebuchadnezzar. He, he, st- he kept it pretty simple. Last week we determined that when life doesn't make sense, we were going to learn from Daniel's example. Number one, there were, well, let me just say this. There were three things or three people that he decided that he would stay true to. Number one is he would stay true to God. If you're going through something in life and you don't understand and life doesn't make sense, our first point of reference must be God, our Heavenly Father. What does God have to say about my predicament? What does God have to say about the situation that I'm going through right now? That must be... That must be what I have to reference first. You see, because there's a really good chance that no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, the Bible probably speaks about that. Right? Now, now just because we don't know the Scripture doesn't mean that it's not in there. But I guarantee you, if you're going through something, there's a really good chance that the book of Proverbs addresses it. There's a really good chance that the book of Psalms addresses it. There's a really good chance that Jesus addressed it with His Word. We need to reference the scripture, stay true to God. And if God has spoken about my situation, then I'm going to follow God, right? The second person that he said that, that I believe that Daniel would stay true to was himself. You see, when we find ourselves in a, in a place or an environment that we don't want to be in, or we find ourselves in an environment where life doesn't make sense, we have to ask ourselves, not only what does God have to say about this, what have I decided about my life? What have I resolved to do? What kind of commitments have I made according to the man that I want to be, according to the woman that I want to be, according to the father, the husband, the wife that you might want to be, according to those things that I have resolved, I must stay true to myself. I, don't, I can't control certain things, but I can c- control how this is going to affect the rest of my life. The third person that Daniel was true to, I believe, was he was true to his friends. And I'm not talking about his good time buddies and his good time friends. I'm talking about the people that God had assigned to him in this season of life. You see, I think a lot of times as followers of Christ that we take our godly friendships for granted. We have to be aware of the fact that God places people in our lives as assignments. As iron sharpens iron, the Bible says, so one man's countenance sharpens another. There are people in our lives that stretch us, challenge us, pray for us, are going through the same kind of things, are headed in the same direction, have the same values. Based on those people that God has put into our lives, we must stay true to them. Amen? So so that's where we left off last week, and a lot happened. That's just chapter 1 in Daniel's story. We're in chapter 2 today. It appears that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and their names are different in different parts of this story, but we're going to call them that because that's what we grew up calling them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It seems that, that they made the best of a bad situation, that, if you will, they took a lemon and made lemonade out of it. And you can see that God would begin to bless them and you can see the purpose in their lives in the future. But right now, they didn't know what that looked like. But you can see that they had a good attitude about it. And I was, as I was looking that, at that, I was thinking, maybe if I were sitting there and we were all talking about how we survived that, that exile, that, that war that happened in Jerusalem and how Israel was destroyed, the temple was destroyed, maybe they would say something like, at least we got to serve the king and we didn't become slaves. At least. At least Daniel and his three friends, maybe they were thinking, well, at least we're not dead like the commanders of Israel. At least we're not dead like the other royals or the royal heads. At least we're alive. 
At least we have a job. You know, when we suffer and we go through a tragedy in life, what doesn't kill you in some way will change or alter your life in another way. You agree with that? Have you ever heard the expression, well, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? You ever heard that? I want to tell you something. That's not always true. Sometimes what doesn't kill you, you got out alive, you barely got... Sometimes what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. Sometimes what doesn't kill you confuses you. Sometimes what doesn't kill you makes you gun-shy, right? It makes you more careful. Sometimes what doesn't kill you makes you fearful in life. But no matter what, if you get through something that nearly kills you, it changes you. Daniel's life and, he, and the three Hebrew children, their lives were changed tremendously. He and his friends were probably thinking, the land of blessing, the land of Israel, that was a place where we, where we hoped and we dreamed. That was a place where we were prosperous. That's, that was a place where we, were, we had aspirations about greatness. That was a, a time in our lives where we could see in our future that God was going to do some incredible things. I would have a, a house. I would have a, a spouse. And I would have a picket fence. You know what I'm saying? Or whatever they had. They'd have a really nice chariot with wheels and with 20s or something. You know what I'm saying? They, they, had, they, they had aspirations about life, but thought you could kiss all that goodbye because this was different. In Psalm 137 and 1, it talks about the lament of the Israelites as they were on exile. Somebody wrote this in the book of Psalms about the trip, that 900-mile trip to, the Bab- to, to Babylon. It says this, Psalm 137 and 1, it says, By the rivers of Babylon we sat down. There we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows nearby we hung our harps. Those who captured us told us to sing. They told us to entertain them. Sing a song about Zion. But how can we sing a song to the Lord in a foreign land? Israel was known for their musical ability and they had string instruments. They were very musical. They sang about Zion and they sang about God. So the Babylonians, as they were taking this trip, they were sitting around a river and said, hey, sing us one of those songs. And they said, we can't sing. You can't sing about the Lord in a foreign land. Sing. Those days are gone. That's how it feels, I believe, when life hits so hard that it doesn't make sense. When you go from prosper to the pauper when you go from hoping to moping when you go from dreaming to despairing when you go from blessing to depressing when you go from living to dying that's what i believe the psalmist was saying how can we sing a song to the lord in a foreign land because things have changed and when things change like this the standard gets lowered the standard becomes lower instead of believing for god's best You settle for the least. You settle for that phrase, well, at least. You see, at least I'm alive. At least we made it out. At least we survived. At least I have my job. At least I have my family. At least I'm saved. How many of you have heard this one? At least I'm not going to hell. I mean, at the very last thing that we hope for, at least. You see, we settle. It's kind of like settling in high school and and dating life. Well, he may not be that handsome, but at least I got a prom date. You know what I'm saying? Well, well, she may not be that pretty, but at least we're dancing. You know what I'm saying? Heard that expression before? Maybe a little harsh, isn't it? We, We settle for meager portions, thankful for the very least, when God wants us to dream about his best. Amen? 
We settled for the least. Once upon a time, we dreamed big. We believed big. We acted big. But now it's all about survival. It's all about being content with the least. Hey, don't risk too much. Don't step out on too much faith. Don't, don't believe. I mean, take the little. We, we survived. Don't ask God for anything else. Just be thankful for the least and the last. Maybe that's what Daniel was thinking. Maybe that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was thinking. Maybe that's where you are today, that you survived something or you suffered in such a way that you're not believing for God's best. And you're saying that. You're saying, well, at least. I want to tell you something. God's got something better for you. Amen? Amen? What if I told you that God has something amazing for you if you'll just get your head up, if you will just begin to dream again, If you will don't stop dreaming, if you will not stop believing, I want you to look at your neighbor and with your best journey impression say, don't stop believing. Go ahead, go ahead. Come on, you 80s people. There you go, it sounded good. Stop with that, don't go any further. I don't want to hear streetlights. Daniel, the second chapter in the first verse. Well, he got the stool. That means he's going to read a whole chapter. I got a lot of reading, but I'm going to skip around a lot. I'm going to paraphrase. Use my own spin, if you will. I'm not going to change it. But just so there's no... I'm going to skip, and I'm going to tell a little bit of the story. You know how I do it. So, In the second year that Nebuchadnezzar was king, he had a dream. It worried him so much that he couldn't sleep, so he sent for all of his fortune tellers. He sent for the magicians. He sent for the sorcerers, the, the wizards, everybody that knew, had supposedly some insight into what was going on. He sent for all of them, and possibly Daniel was a part of that. And he tells him, he says, I had this incredibly bad dream, and it troubled me. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell me my dream, and then I want you to tell me the meaning of my dream. And then these guys said, what anybody else would say, okay, if you'll tell us the dream, we will tell you what the meaning of the dream is. The king said to them, I've made up my mind. This is the fifth verse. I made up my mind, and that's not the way this is going to happen. What's going to happen is, you better tell me what my dream is, and you better tell me what the meaning of the dream is. Tenth verse says, The advisors replied, there is no one on the face of the earth who can tell your majesty what you want. Nobody can do that. The 12th verse. At that, the king flew into a rage and ordered the execution of all the royal advisors in Babylon. So the order was issued for all of them to be killed, including Daniel and his friends. The 14th verse. And Daniel went to Arioch, the commander, the king's bodyguard, who had been ordered to kill or who had been ordered to follow or, or, or to uh, carry out this execution. And he goes up to this guy and said, dude, what's going on? Why in the world has the king issued such a harsh request? So Arioch, the commander of the army, who was, who, who was supposed to go out and carry out the executions, Daniel said, wait, hold up, wait just a second. Tell me what's going on. So he tells him, and he says, this is what happened. The king had a dream and nobody can interpret. So Daniel goes into the 16th verse, goes and talks to King Nebuchadnezzar, said, hey, just give me a little bit of time. Give a brother a break here. 
Just give me a little bit of time and let's see what God can do. 16th verse. Daniel obtained royal permission for time. And so uh, the, the 17th verse says, Then Daniel went home and told his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what had happened. And he told them, everybody, this would be a great time to start praying. You better start praying or there's going to be a slaying. It's in there. The 19th verse says, The mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision, and he praised the God of heaven. So God, so he gets the answer. Then the 24th verse says, Daniel went to Arioch, the commander of the army, who's supposed to be killing everybody. He said, Don't be killing anybody. I know what happens. 25th verse. Arioch goes, between, goes to the king and says, Hey, we've, we got somebody. We got somebody that can, that can take care of this. 27th verse, Daniel replies to the king, Your majesty, there, are, there is no wizard, no magician, no fortune teller, no astrologer. Nobody can tell you that. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. So now we're beginning to see why Daniel is serving in the king's court. We see this, and I'm going to talk about it here in just a second. The 29th verse says, While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamt about the future. And God, who reveals mysteries, has shown me... What, what, the king, what King Nebuchadnezzar actually dreamed about was a prophecy. And if you read it, first, let me just paraphrase it real quickly. It was a prophecy about the next three kingdoms there in Babylon. It was also a prophecy about the end times. Three-fourths of this prophecy has been fulfilled, but the last quarter of this prophecy has not been fulfilled and will not be fulfilled until the end of days. So that's how important, how significant this, this dream and this prophecy was. Skip down to the 46th verse. Then King Nebuchadnezzar bowed down to the ground and gave orders for sacrifice and offerings to be made to Daniel. The king said, your God is the greatest of all gods, the Lord over kings and the one who reveals mysteries. And I don't know this because you have, you have been able to explain the mystery. Then the king gave Daniel a high position, presented him with many splendid gifts, put him in charge of the province of Babylon and made him the head of all the royal advisors. He got promoted. At Daniel's request, the king put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in charge of the affairs of the province of Babylon. However, Daniel remained in the royal court. So we can now see why God was doing this in Daniel's life. But here's the deal. At first glance, at first glance, Daniel had no idea what was going on. Things that we can take away. I want to I just call this things that we can take away from this story. Daniel, who was about to die for something that he had nothing to do with, when life does not make sense, here are some things that we can remember. Number one, are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, number one is God had planned. God had planned. In other words, God has an eternal, timeless plan. Even when life doesn't make sense, God has a plan. A lot of times when we're in trouble, a lot of times when we go through something, we begin to think... We may begin to think, God has forgotten about me. This, is, this can't be part of God's plan. But listen to me. God has a plan for you and your entire life. Your struggle, your heartache, your setback is not going to hinder God's plan in any way. Now, how do I know this? Romans 8 and 28. If you guys would put that verse up there. Romans 8 and 28 says this. It says, For we have... A hunch that those who love God, that those, for those who love God, some things work together for good. Is that what that says? Okay, let me, let me rephrase it. I think I got it wrong there. For we can guess that those who love God, or that for those who love God, um, 
every now and then things work together for their good. What does that say? It says, first of all, that we know. For we know that for those who love God, all things, everybody say all things. Everything, all things work together for good. That's what we know. This is what the Apostle Paul was saying to the Roman church. He says, we know this. We can take this to the bank. We can depend on God to know that all things, not just some things, but all things work to our good. They work together for our good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Listen to these solidified words. Foreknew predestined to be confirmed into the image of his son. That 30th verse, or the, yeah, the 30th verse says, and those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he glorified. That sounds like a plan to me. That sounds like God is not shooting from the hip. You guys know what shooting from the hip means? That, that's an old western term. It's, it's not, it's, it, when you take your gun out of your holster, you don't have time to aim and shoot. It's like, Shoot from the hip, okay? You don't have a plan. You don't have an aim. You just got to fire really, really quickly. How many of you know that God, when it comes to making decisions, doesn't shoot from the hip? He's got a plan. And listen to me. Listen to me. God has a plan, and his plan is according to his will. Listen, listen to this. God's plan for your life was not for you to get your heart broken. Because whatever you're going through today, a lot of times we might be saying, how can, this, how, can, how can this be according to God's plan? Sometimes in our lives when things go wrong, we think, how in the world could be, how, how in the world can this be part of God's plan? Let me say this. God did not plan for you to get your heart broken. He didn't cause it. It was not God's will. A lot of times we say that as Christians. In a few months, I'm going to be preaching a sermon called, or a message series called Alternative Facts. Basically, things that Christians say and things that Christians believe that simply aren't true. A lot of times when things happen to us, we walk around and tell each other, well, that's part of, you know, that's God's will. That may not be God's will. Sometimes life is unfair and life is hard. But here's the deal. God didn't plan it. It wasn't part of God's will. But God is going to use it. According to Romans, as we just read, God is going to use that. And he's going to bring some good out of that. And it's going to complete what he wants to do in your life. Look at it like this. I want you to look at this as as where you start. And this is where God wants you to be. And I want you to pretend like you're going on this journey. You're on this road that God has taken you somewhere. And along the way, this tragic thing happens to you. You get your heart broken, okay? Something, you you get injured by a friend or or a relationship. You get your heart broken. What God will do is he said, man, I don't want them to have to go through that, but I'm going to allow them to go through it. But I'm going to take that heartache and I'm going to make it part of who they're going to be in the future. I'm going to take whatever is tragedy. I'm going to take whatever is suffering and I'm going to make them better. I'm going to make them stronger. I'm going to make them more committed. I'm going to make them favorable. I'm going to use every bit of the bad things that happened to them and I'm going to make it beautiful and I'm going to make it resound. Down through their lives. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. That, that God doesn't will it and God doesn't cause bad things to happen to us. That's just life. But God will take those things and he will use those things to complete his work in us. Isn't that wonderful? Listen to me. It was not God's plan for you to be abused. 
You might be sitting here and thinking, what in the world? God forgot about me. You might be thinking, how in the world did this happen? I've, I've had people, Christians talk to me and say, you know what? We don't understand God's will. I want, you, I, want you, I want you to hear that. That was not God's will. That was not God's plan for your life. But he will take that abuse. He will take that situation. And out of the most vile, out of the most, out of the most horrific situation, he will bring the most beautiful situation out of it and make you the most beautiful person that the world has ever seen. Amen? God did not cause and God did not plan for you to go through a divorce. But he is not done with you because of it. He's going to use you and your life experience. And he's, he, he has not changed his mind about you. You don't have to walk around feeling guilty. You don't have to walk around feeling like a failure because God is going to use it. God didn't will it. You don't need to understand everything about it. Sometimes life is hard, but God will take that and he will make something out of you and he will make you better You'll to the extent that you'll look back at a situation. And that's what God does. It'll feel like when you get through everything, it might take a few years. God will bring something so wonderful and so beautiful into your life that you'll get on the other side of that and get a few years past it. Get a few years of living for God under your belt and look back at a bad situation and say, man, that was a terrible, horrific situation. But had I not gone through that situation, I would not experience the beauty of the life that God has given to me today. Amen? Come on, guys. Don't patty cake. You're going to clap, clap. That's the one of, that's when we talk about that God takes all the things that God takes. It doesn't matter if it's good. It doesn't matter if it's bad. It doesn't matter if it's ugly. God uses those things to complete his work in you. Just because we suffer doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan. Right? Just because you suffer, just because we suffer in life doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan. He doesn't plan for you to suffer, but God's got a plan. Listen to me, what, what we go through in life is not meant to beat us down, but it's meant to build us up. If it was going to destroy us, he wouldn't let us go through it. He allows us to go through things in life because it's meant to build us up. It's meant to make us stronger. It's meant to make us better. The truth is that God's got a plan for you and your life. That's way beyond anything that you can ever imagine or even understand. You can't even begin to fathom it. Think about if God were to go down and talk to Daniel and tell him how significant his life and his story was. Daniel, listen. I want to tell you what's going to happen for the next few years in your life and into the next millennials. 2,500 years from now, Travis is going to be standing on a stage and he's going to be talking to people and telling your story from the Bible, which is on his iPad. He's going to talk about this situation. He's going to talk about you going through the lion's den. Then he's going to talk about you guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's going to talk about the fire, that fiery furnace thing that you're going to go through. You know what Daniel would say? He would say, first of all, what kind of a weird name is Travis? We've got Belshazzar going on around here. Abimelech. Travis, that's a weird name. What's a church? What's a Bible? They, they had no idea what these things were. That's why God doesn't always explain and things don't always make sense because if God were to explain, we wouldn't understand it. Who's got a pad? An iPad? What's an iPad? And what are you talking about lion's den? Yeah, that would happen a few decades later. Who's going through the lion's den? 
what? The Hebrew children chime in. Wait a minute. Did you say something about fiery furnace going through a fiery furnace? God doesn't always reveal because if he were to tell us everything that was going to happen in our lives, man, we'd get out of Dodge. Right? You can't even begin to understand what God wants. Now, here's the deal. Over the next few decades, Daniel gets promoted. I mean, big time. He goes big time. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go big time. If he, were to, if he were to say, okay, you guys are all getting promoted. Yeah, we're in on that, but we ain't talking about the process of getting there. God's got a plan that we can't even begin to understand. God doesn't always explain it. And it doesn't always make sense. But God has a plan that we are a part of. An eternal plan. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, God's got a plan. Not only has God planned it, God has positioned. We are where we are for a reason. Daniel 1 and 21 says, Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. King Cyrus, 70 years later, let all the exiles go back home. Daniel served close to the king. If you'll notice that once he was promoted, he, because of his word, he says, hey, actually, the king says, I'm going to make you ruler over the Babylonian affairs. He says, no, actually, I'm going to stay next to you, king. I want you to take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I want you to promote them. But he stayed next to the king. There was a reason for that. We'll explain it here in the future. But God positioned Daniel for, for, for a purpose in his life. I, I want you to realize that you are not where you are by accident. Do you know that King Nebuchadnezzar, who destroyed Jerusalem, was placed there by God? God even places National leaders, nations, leaders, even the evil ones. God, the Bible says there is no authority placed. There is no authority on this earth that God has not placed, even for destruction. God put, God had an assignment for Nebuchadnezzar to destroy Jerusalem. Well, that's hard for us to even imagine. But God has a plan for, if he's got a plan for them, he's definitely got a plan for you. But a lot of times we will look at our lives and where we are in the position and we think, man, this is not what I signed up for. This is not where I want to be. I'm sure Daniel was not there by preference. He wanted to be home in Jerusalem. He wanted to be, he wanted to be around all the other Hebrews. It just so happened God had him there for a reason. And it wasn't his first choice, but God had positioned him, him there. And we can see that God had an incredible purpose for his life right where he was in an enemy land. And God blessed him there. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, what in the world am I doing here? I've talked to people who were living in Shawnee that actually moved here for a job purpose or whatever. They moved here from Alaska. Can you imagine moving from Alaska to Shawnee? How did that conversation go down? Listen, man, I know you're used to seeing grizzly bear in the wild here. We've got moose. How do you say moose, plural? Meese? Moose and... Okay, whatever. Oxen, moosen. Okay. Anyway, we've you know we've got them. We've got we've got great big animals walking across the streets. Mule deer, if you want to hunt. Oh, we've got red. Uh, 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 what is the fish in the stream? Yeah, red. Yeah, we've got them. And hey, if you if you're thirsty, you just take your cup out in the in the water and get you something to drink. The last frontier, Alaska, one of the most beautiful outdoor places in the world. You know, what did that conversation go? Look, you're moving from Alaska and you're moving to Shawnee, but here's the deal, man. They've got a river running through Shawnee that's coming from Canada. What's it called? 
the North Canadian River. I would advise you drink from there. What was, I talked to somebody before that moved from Honolulu, Hawaii to Shawnee. Can you imagine being ro- relocated like that? I mean, catching waves every day in Maui, surfing. How, what would that conversation be like? You know, nobody, wants, nobody would really want to make that move, and if they were here, they would be very sad. That, look, we're going to move you to Shawnee, but don't despair, because they've got twin lakes there. So here's your uh, pink air mattress, and here's your weed eater. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Try to catch some waves down at the Twin Lakes. Don't wear a white swimsuit because it turns it pink. I just, I mean, sometimes we find ourselves in a place that we didn't sign up for. That was not Daniel's first choice, but here's the deal. It wasn't his first choice, but it was God's choice. And we need to see wherever we are in our life, if we could just see that as a divine positioning. Amen? Maybe you're working in a job environment that you, this is not your first choice. In fact, you went to school to do something else. I've been there, I understand. But listen to me, if you will see that as a divine positioning and see that God not only planned it, but he has you positioned there for a reason, you will see that and God will take you to the next level and promote you in something that you want to do. But right now he's doing something in your life and he's requiring you to learn something in this position. Amen. When I was seven years old, I was when I was seven years old, I remember preaching. I remember being five years old preaching in my backyard to my dog and my sisters. And taking offering and getting pennies. I remember that. My whole life people told me that I would be preaching. At seven years old I was preaching in children's church. At at 11 years old I was preaching in our youth group. I started preaching on Sundays when I was 17 or 18. It was always a part of my life. I just knew it was a part of my life. You know what I was doing? You know what I was doing when I was 29 years old, 28 years old? I I was in the car business. Now, at that moment in my life, I was thinking, what in the world is God doing? It just so worked out. I enjoyed it. And that part of my life, that seven years of of being in the car business, I actually owned a car business. I was a buyer for it. I call that the most fun I ever had, losing money. (laughs) But you know what? In the car business, I learned a lot about human nature. I learned a lot about how to look at someone. It surprised me. The pastors that I couldn't get financed. But we won't go there, okay? You learned a lot. You learned a lot about people. You learned a lot about business. I learned a lot about finance and accounting. And I learned when I started pastoring the church that how many of you know that church is a business? And there was a lot. We had an annual board meeting this past week that had a balance sheet, a profit and loss statement, a cash flow, a, a budget, all these things that, that had I not you know, gone to school and had I not got the experience, these things would be, hard to, you know, be sit, hard to sit down and take a look at these things without understanding them. I understand, but at that point in my life, I didn't understand. There was a time in my life when I was working for UPS, driving a truck, college educated, finance, driving a truck for UPS. That was, that was not a good time in my life, but I can tell you that it taught me a lot about, taught me a lot about time management. Taught me a lot about work ethic. Taught me a lot about, you know, how to, how to overcome some things. Taught me to be patient. Taught me to ha- how to fight off dogs in certain environments. That's a, that's a travesty I'm going to share with you in a few weeks. Wherever you are in life, you need to see that as a divine 
positioning. Amen? And once you begin to do that, you begin to learn the things that God has for you in that position because you are not there by accident. Amen? What? If God has a divine purpose for you right where you are right now, even if it's not your first choice. What if? I'm going to stop right there. I've got some other things I want to cover. I want to pick up next week. But listen to me. God has planned your life and God also has positioned you. And once we begin to realize that, we can let go of some things and some things that we don't understand. Life doesn't make sense. Well, just understand that God is sovereign and he's working on his plan that we are a part of no matter where we are and no matter what we're struggling with. Amen? Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. I thank you, Lord, for moving in our lives today. And I thank you for the people that you're talking to right now. No matter where we are, no matter what we struggle with, no matter what setbacks we've had, not even our sin will affect your plan because you never leave us. Whatever the heartache, whatever the struggle, whatever the situation, meet us where we are today, right now. Help us to realize that you've got a plan and you have positioned us. In the name of Jesus. As your heads are bowed, and maybe God's speaking to you right now, I'd like to, I'd like to ask you a question. What is God saying to you? What is he saying to you right now? Based on what you've experienced in today's worship, Based on what you've heard by the word, what is God saying to you right now? And what is your response to that? Maybe you're going through something right now. You're thinking, how in the world can this be part of God's plan? Maybe you've suffered and you say, hey, this this doesn't make sense. Let me tell you something. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. But here's what I do know. I do know that God brings things around and all things work for our good. All things work together for our good, whether it's good, whether it's bad. And if you will let God work in your life, he's going to bring good out of this situation. And if I can, I want to pray with you right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that's right here. And maybe there are people here that are struggling. Maybe there are people here that are hurting. Maybe there are people here that are going through something where it doesn't make sense. May we realize that even though you didn't plan for this to happen, you didn't cause it, it may not be a part of your will, let us realize that you still have a plan that we are a part of. And if we will hold on, if we will believe, if we will get our heads up, if we were to keep our attitudes right, Lord, that you're going to bring things around and it's going to, there's going to be a, a beautiful thing to come out of it. There's going to be a positive thing. And on the other side of this, we'll look back and say, I, I don't wish it to happen to anybody. I don't wish it ever happened to me, but I can tell you that I'm better because of it. And God, you've been faithful. Wrap your arms around people that are hurting today. We don't understand everything. We don't have the answer for everything, but you do. So I ask you, Lord, to speak to people today. May we turn to you in our time of despair. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, say amen. I'd like for you to continue to bow your heads. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, 
You're sitting here and you're listening to me preach, but you know that you're not right with God. You have not asked for forgiveness of sin. You have not invited Him into your life. I'd like to pray with you. Or maybe you're here and for some reason you've walked away from God. Maybe you lived for God as a child, but as you got older, maybe when you got in high school or college or whatever, you walked away from God. And today you're feeling Him tug at your heart for you to come home. Whatever the reason, you know whether or not you're not right with God. I'd like to pray with you too. In fact, I just want to pray a prayer. And if that's you and you say, Travis, I want to be a part of that prayer, let me tell you something. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to come down here. I'm not even going to ask you to to do anything that would embarrass you. All I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. But if you're here and you can say, Travis, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to return to God. And I want you to enter me into that prayer. I'd like you to, to pray with me. Just slip your hand up and slip it down and I'll pray. Can anybody say that? That's me, Travis. I want to give my life to Christ today. I want to make things right. Anybody, can anybody say that? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for those that are here. And I trust we all live for you and serve you. If we don't, may we come to a place where we make a decision to follow you. Thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you, Lord, for the people that are saved. May we continue to be a church where souls are one to the kingdom. And Lord, I pray, God, that we realize most of all the importance of being a part of your plan and being positioned in such a way where you can not only bless us, but you use our lives for your cause and purpose. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody said?